here. We've been looking at the word give and what it means as we prepare our hearts for the purpose of what God is asking us to do. The first week we talked about how when we give to God, it grieves us because it, when we get rid of something or give up something, it causes a little hurt within us and it, it, and, it, and it draws out an emotion and aspects within us because we don't have a natural idea to give, but when we do give, we grieve because we know that there is a cost involved. And then we talked about how I needs to kick on and where, where it realizes that we get inflicted because God is asking us to give, and the hurt shows us much more, but more importantly, it shows us our inadequacies. When we start coming into our Christian faith, and we start giving it to God, and we say, God, take me, take all of me, and he shows you, well, you're not as good as you thought you were, and you're like, wow, that really is not a good check mark. And, and, it, and it causes us to different, give a little doubt to it, but if we keep going, then what we realize is, that we can start turning on to the V, which is where we get vision. Last week, I didn't even get to preach my whole sermon last week. Probably got another seven pages of notes, and I'll, I intertwined them into the sermon this week. But when we give to God, He starts showing us our next steps. When we start surrendering and going all in with God, He starts giving us the clear vision of which way to go. And he starts showing us what we need to do next. And sometimes that causes those other two to kick in a little bit more. Because it's not easy to go into the unknown. I loved how Abraham, who was all comfortable in his land, followed God. And he gave it his life all the way to God. And he says, Abraham, I want you to go into a land that you do not know. And wander around until I tell you to stop. And Abraham was like, okay. And the uncomfortableness that goes within that. But that's the struggle we have because God is starting to show us the next steps with the promise to give, provide us a provision on both sides of heaven. And that comes from being all in. And I just want to encourage everybody this morning as we looked at the scriptures where, where Jesus interacted with a rich, wise, young ruler who's asking him, Jesus, what does it take to get into heaven? And he encourages him to go sell everything he has and to, to give it all to the poor and then to follow him, to go all in. And how his heart was so, so hurt because of it that he walked away from Jesus. But as we look at the latter parts of the scripture, we looked at it a little bit last week and we're going to look at it again this week. What we find is that our hearts have to become so attuned with God to see what he's going to do to us and through us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 19 again. I know we keep jumping between Mark and, and Matthew a little bit. But it's good to get perspectives of two different writers of the Gospels. I'll go ahead and throw it up on the screen as well. We're looking at verses 27 through 30. It's not much. Give you a minute. If you got it, say, I got it. If you're saying, I already, we're just going to read the screen, say, woe me. I don't got a lot of woe me's. Okay, chips, there we go. At least we got one honest one in the house. Can I get an amen? And you do realize, I get a little bit more done quicker if you speak back at me this morning. I just feel that way. I need to say that. But if you have it, let's look at the scripture. And it says, Then Peter said in a reply, 
See, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, uh, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, I think here, this is not right, reading right here. Let me go to this one, because this is going to be a little bit more correctly. It might be a little bit off here. Um, and Jesus said to him, Surely, Assuredly I say to you that in the next life, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who followed me will, have the, uh, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone... <coughs> who left houses, brothers and sisters, or fathers, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold an inheritance in the eternal life. But who, er, but many who are first will be last, and last will be first. Lord, touch me, Lord. I know that the technology is not working like I need it to, but Lord, touch me and give me the words to speak to this group, Lord, to those that are listening, Lord, to those that have the itching ears, Lord, to allow it to edify them, to remind them of their hope as we walk in this life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We were not meant for this world only. I just want to say that real quick. We were not meant... For this world only. I know a lot of us like to think that way. We live our lives with the pursuit of happiness to get us through what we have right now. But we were not meant for this world only. And that's what I love about the scripture and how it's relating that to us. I told you already, God is trying to equip us for both sides of heaven. Both on this side and for the next side, when we actually get to be in the throne room of God, worshiping Him and giving Him all the exaltations that He deserves. But we weren't meant for this only, and yet our struggle and our humanity is to engage with this world. We calculate what it's going to cost to do everything. We try to figure out the times and so we can equate everything. I was talking to Sister Amy this morning about how I have a smartphone and it lets me know the directions I need to go to so I can calculate that I'm there on time for different doctor's appointments and better yet, the smartness of my smartphone tells me what time I need to leave so I'm not late even according to the traffic patterns on the roads that I would take. And then it lets me know 30 minutes before I'm supposed to leave that I need to leave because otherwise I'm going to be late. Let me tell you, it's not easy to get on time with five daughters. But that being said, we calculate and do everything we have in this world. But we were meant for greater and we need to take a real reality check within us with what God is trying to get us to understand. What he's trying to get us to set our minds on is the ways of things above and not the things of this world. This is evident when we read through the text and we see Jesus' teachings and we see Jesus speaking things in a manner that seems like there's a door on this world, but he's trying to open up the door to heaven in our lives. Can I say that again? Jesus' words within the text that we read through are trying to open up the, the reality of the heavens in our lives. Because we're so earthly minded because that's where we live. But what he's trying to relate to us is the impact of the heavens that he's trying to show us. 
the, the, the impact of the things he's trying to get us engaged in. You see, God is not just trying to do one simple thing within us. What I truly believe he's asking us to do is if we'll give, then what he'll do is he will equip. He will equip us for everything that we need. See, but God is not just equipping us for just this side of our life. Because he knows that we live in a dog-eat-dog world. Can I say that again? Dog-eat-dog. It's just a fun way to say it. Dog-eat-dog. There was a TV show about it. I don't know. It was, a, it was a game show, Brother Chip. It was on GSN. Don't ask me. It was competitions. Like, they were doing all this stuff. But it's all reality that we live in. We all seem like we're in the rat race trying to get the most advantage we can do to get the most money and to get the most accolades and everything that we do. But what God is trying to do is to equip us to look beyond that. To look deeper than that. To look farther down the road than what we're looking at. And as I look at the scriptures this week, I realized how many of the characters did that that we read about. How many of the men and women that followed after God with all of their hearts set their minds not on the provisions of right now, but they looked at the, the ultimate one that was going to give them the ability to get through it all to where he would equip them. But that's because they measured the cost. See, the cost to be all in with God seems large in so many of our lives. It looks so much larger as we go to interact with it because we're like, I don't know what to expect. If I were to ask you all, I don't want hands, the hypothetical situation, how much did it cost you when you said yes to the Lord in your life? I've heard stories of men saying, hey, I had it all together. I was rich. And then all of a sudden I accepted Jesus in my life and I got rejection and then I became so poor. But I was poor financially, but I was not poor in spirit or poor in joy. And the calculation didn't measure up to what I thought it should be. You see, what I'm trying to get at is, the cost of following Jesus might cost us everything on this side of heaven. Can I say that a little bit deeper? The second you say, yes, Lord, your life didn't turn out to be like what you thought it did. Most of us, if we've been seasoned in our faith, can say this truly. I accepted Jesus on a whim sometimes. And then I accepted him fully, deeply within my heart. And it cost me more than I thought. What I'm trying to get at is, is the fact that when we look at the eternal side of things in our lives, we have to relate that with the longevity of where we're going. I can come to church, and I can watch hands get raised where they say, yes, I want to get Jesus in my life, but they don't understand the depth of which way they're going. I've watched a lot of people in churches raise their hand week after week. Yes, I want to get saved. Week after week, they're like, yes, I, I need Jesus to come in and, and, and restore my soul because I'm so wicked. Okay? I'm thankful for your authenticity, but you don't understand the depth and the cost that, that seems large, but you're willing to go in shallow deep because you are understanding that you want a salvation kind of thing. 
where I'm getting at is, I've watched so many men and women come in and only look at Christ and say, I don't want to give you everything because the cost seems too large to give you my all because I love the comforts of this world. I love the peace that comes from this world. I love the desires that I have in this world. But Jesus, I want to only take a little bit of the cost. I only want to give you half of what it's worth or a quarter or a penny's worth of a dollar of, of what you have just because I want to know that I'm saved, but I don't want to be all in. Let me tell you, if we ever come into the church and we walk in accordance in that same manner and that same hunger within our lives where it's so shallow, we're never going to get anywhere, anywhere close to what God is trying to do. And what God is really trying to waken up the church to is to say, I want to equip you to be deeper and wider and show my love into the world. The cost will be so insurmountable, but it's not anything that's anything to laugh at when we look at the eternal side of things. You see, the shallow Christians, they come in and say, I want to get saved every week. I sinned. Save me this week. I sinned. Save me this week. I only want my one cent to go in. I only want to put my, my pennies into the situation. And what I feel that God has been saying in the Scripture is that the cost might seem so large, but it's time for us to really get the understanding of the price is being worth everything if we accept and walk in them full-heartedly. But that comes through asking the questions. That comes through asking tough questions. Can I say that again? Tough questions. And the disciples, when we look at the text... After witnessing what Jesus had said to that rich young man, sell it all and follow me. Give it all away and follow me. And they're looking at Jesus going, what did we sign up for? Better yet, Peter. You know the hothead Peter. The Peter that, that, that didn't have a two cents before he spoke. Peter looked at Jesus and says, what's in it for me? How many of us say that what, we would come up to God sometimes and say, what's in it for me for this situation? Can I be transparent? When I got called into ministry, I looked at God and I said, God, you got the wrong guy. You don't realize it's not in it with me. And he kept saying, no, you're going to preach my gospel. I kept saying, no, I'm just being real. Because I kept looking at God saying, I know what might be in it for you. I know who I am, and I don't worry about what's in it for me, but I just don't see myself worthy. I was saying the tough questions and saying the tough statements and being real and authentic with God who was calling me in, even though I had already fully said, God, I'm all in. Use all of me in my prayer life and in my worship time. I'm like going, all of me, all of me, take me in deeper, Lord, all of me. And when he starts questioning, saying, are you ready? And I'm like, no. No, God, I'm not ready. And he says, get ready, because what I want to do is I want to prepare you. And then I realized one quick thing. The journey is hard. You see, I didn't come from a, a religious background. I got bribed into church with McDonald's. If I've, you've ever heard me say it, it's still going to be true. McDonald's individual-sized pan pizzas or 20-piece chicken nuggets because I was a fat kid. 
but I got bribed into it. I asked my grandparents, you want me to take me to church? What's in it for me? But I want you to ask a question right now. What's in it for you to follow Christ? What's in it for you to be all in with Jesus? What's in it for you as you surrender everything and you say, everything that I have, everything that I am, Lord, use it accordingly. Tell me what to do. And get ready for the answers. You might not like them. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to equip you to realize that there's a reality that you have not associated yourself with in this life yet. Because let me say it, I've said it before, this is a little slang term, it's not in it for you, boo. Tyler, if she was here, she'd be laughing. But it's the truth, it's not in it just for you. God loved you enough to send his only begotten son for you. He loved you enough that he would walk this earth for 33 years for you. He loved you enough that he would answer questions like what Peter's hot-headedness is for you. He loved you enough that he would go and get despised and rejected as Isaiah would foretell in the prophecies for you. He loved you enough that he would get beaten and, and, and scorned for you. He loved you enough that he would allow the nails to pierce his flesh as he was getting mounted to a cross for you. He loved you enough that he would get picked up on that cross and be hung there as he was in excruciating agony, struggling for breath, as he was trying to show you that the punishment that you carry, he wanted to do it for you. And he loved you as he gave his dying breasts into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit for you. And then on three days, God raised him from the dead for you to give you that future and the hope. He was doing it because he wants to equip you with the power and the anointing to know that you have the ability to ask the tough questions. You see, in my early walk, I didn't walk in the religious sense. You know, that reverent sense of God and those aspects. I learned in my early walk that God was my father. He was the father that I longed for because uh, the worldly fathers that I had an example set apart great aspects of who I am today. But he showed me a deeper love and a deeper care than I'd ever have. So there were moments in our life in all of our lives, that when we have questions, we can approach God. There were moments in my car that I would get so frustrated as I walked through the journey as he was equipping me that I'd get yelling loud, loud mad, going, God, why is it that I have to do this? Why is it that that person rejected me today? God, why is it that my bank account doesn't have enough money to put gas in my car today? God, why are you telling me to go deal with these stupid people? Yes, I call people stupid. It's okay. But then I realized in those aspects as his spirit filled the car that he reminded me that he was a loving God, a loving father, like what Romans 
8 and 15 reminds us. It says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons as we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, God's saying that it's okay sometimes to ask the tough questions because it's going to allow you to get equipped as you ask him because we, it is important as we go all in to know the direction that we're supposed to go. And it only comes that we understand the direction by asking the tough questions. Why did I go through hardships? Well, it was to allow me to relate to others that did the same thing. It was allowing me to, to, to love them through their same obstacles so that they wouldn't feel the same rejection that, they, that I felt. Why do you deal with struggles? Because God's trying to equip you to love someone else through it. God's trying to set you on a, on, on a proper place that you would be able to stand through the fiery trials that the enemy wants to put you through. God's trying to equip you. And what he's trying to get us to understand is that the disciples were allowed to ask the questions so that we would have the example that we could ask the questions to prepare us so that God could try to teach us who he is. Who he is. God is good. All the time. And all the time God is good. And we have to understand that God is the one that spoke it all in the motion. God spoke you and put you in your mother's womb for a time such as this to prepare you for a purpose that you don't understand for yet. But God is trying to open up the doors and equip you if you'll go all in with him. And he's going to set something within you to teach you who he is. Because this life is just part of your life. If you remember the Bible study this week, and you can look in Genesis chapter 43, 32, where it states, they served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews. For this was an abomination for the Egyptians. What I'm trying to say and what God in Scripture was trying to relate to you in this aspect is the fact that when we start realizing who God is, God's going to call you to do some crazy different things. And in that Scripture, it's referring to the aspect that what He calls you to, people might reject you for. Because that Scripture is in a reference to where Joseph and his whole family were shepherds. And shepherds, they ate meat. They raised the flock to help sustain them. And the Egyptians looked bad upon it. And all those aspects. And as Joseph was in the, 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 the palace working and serving Pharaoh, he couldn't even sit with his brothers because his brothers would have been rejected by all of Pharaoh's kingdom. And what God is trying to get you to realize is if God is preparing you for a purpose... And he's setting your feet upon the rock where he's trying to say, I want you to stand firm through all the fiery inferno that you're going to deal with. But I'm not going to let you get burnt. You're going to get rejected by those around you. We live in a world, as Brother Kenny says, that has less representation of Christ than Congress. And Congress is definitely not a great representation of Christ. So as we walk through this world and we're getting told, you have to accept my flavor of the week. You have to accept this flavor of the week. You have to do this. And if you don't, you're going to be like the hockey player that didn't want to wear that jersey. And they're going to go, oh, you're so wicked. You're so mean. You, you should just get canceled. 
you got to go sit at the other table because you're not accepted at ours. And I want to encourage somebody this morning. If that ever happens to you, do never get discouraged. Because God is going to be with you if you're following Him in every aspect of your life, if you're sold all out for Him. Because what God is wanting to do is to show you to be the representation of Him to the world. My wife and I always say, you might be the first and only Bible somebody ever reads. The only Bible somebody ever reads. People will not get into this. This at all. They will never engage with the word that God spoke through his prophets. Ever. If we're not equipped and being the vessels we're called to be. Where this right here lives and breathes through us. Where we can see how the impact of Jacob is on our lives. How Jacob was a squanderer and how he all of a sudden one day decided, Lord, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to do it. All because he saw the ladder of angels going up and down and he said, Lord, I'm all in. And or better yet, at Peniles, he wrestled with God and, and God dislocated his sock and he says, you are no longer going to be Jacob, you're going to be Israel. You see, we have to have these marks on us that allow us to understand deeper who God is. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God says, I'll provide provision, he will. If God says he saved your soul, he did. If God says he loves you, he loves you. If God says he's your father, he's your father. What can stop it? And we know that the end of the story in the book of Revelations, jumping ahead of your Bible reading plan, I promise. We know that there's a last day coming and that one day our eternity will kick in. And what God is trying to prepare us for is that eternity. He's trying to prepare us for the time where we will take away all of this flesh and this world out of us and we have to realize that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and that we get to get up into heaven and we get to praise God like the angels get to praise God. Where we don't want to go a moment where we're not exalting His name. He's trying to prepare us for that. He's trying to equip us for those moments. But that requires us to give. To give it all. And that always will ever come when we realize that we're not the last, or not, we're not the first, but we're often the last. See, Peter got told this, the answer that nobody ever wants to hear, but one that empowers. But many who are first will be last, or known as the low or the furthest away from him. Those that think that they have it all together, who thinks their top dog will be last, and the last will be first. It will become the best. As the scripture says, it's protos, best. See, church, what I'm trying to, to highlight out through the scriptures and what God has been trying to say is we have to prepare by being all in to allow him to equip us for the latter days of our lives through the eternity because this is like nothing but a couple inches in our life and the, the length of the world around us that never stops. This is just a small part of where we're going. 
And what the Lord is wanting us to remind us through the scripture is that even if we feel the weakest, he will make us strong through our adversities and our struggles to equip us for the heavens where we get to ask the questions, how can I worship God in heaven? How can I worship God in heaven? Questions that are deep. Let me rephrase the question. How can I worship God in heaven if I only worship myself on earth? Can I, how can I worship my God in heaven if this whole life I'm only about me and I'm only giving it to myself and I'm not giving it to God and I refuse to honor Him here, how can I think that I'm going to get to heaven and exalt Him if I'm only doing it myself on the earth? Better yet, how can I give God my whole heart? I love that question. But if you repackage it, how can I give God my whole heart if I treasure my bank account? Or if I treasure the car? Or if I treasure the house I have? Or if I treasure these things that are just known as perishable items in eternity? If those are my treasures, how can I give God my whole heart? The rich man struggled with that. Another one is, how can I bow at his feet? How can I get down on my knees and worship him at his feet? If I'm walking my life where I never acknowledge that I am fighting a battle and I am defeated, but he stepped in, and saved me and restored my soul because he beat, he defeated the one that defeated me to give me the victory. How can I get into heaven and think that if I don't go all in right now, that I'd ever equate to what God is asking? That's the struggle the rich man had. That's the reason we've been digging through give. Because we want to be preparing for his purpose, but that purpose is the exaltion in heaven and the relationship we have when he says this life is but a memory. It's to step forward into the exact calling that he's calling us to. And that's to be his children. Abba, Father, is what Jesus called him. That's what Romans says we get to call him. We get to call him our father because he's the one that's going to provide us. Even when you don't have what you need. I talked to a woman the other day and she says, you know what? I was doing this one thing that the Lord laid on my heart, but I didn't have gas money. I wasn't working. We were struggling financially, trying to figure out how to get food on the table so we didn't pay bills. She said, in the car, I got upset and I said, God, why am I doing this? I can't afford the gas. She just is like going through the motion. Got there, got all the stuff she needed. And let me tell you, when you go all in with God, you get to watch his provisions come through. She said, I didn't realize that this woman kept bringing stuff out. She was picking some stuff up for her ministry that she was running. And the woman just says, stay right there. I got, I'll be right back. She brought out one other thing. She says, no, 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 stay right there. I'll be right back. And then when she came back the final time, she says, this was laid on my heart. Here's $25 to put in your gas tank. Because God was bringing the provision. 
What I'm trying to get at, church, is our heart needs to ask the questions. Are we all in or are we all out? Scripture says in Revelations that he doesn't want us to be lukewarm half in, half out. He'd rather wish that we were hot or cold. That way he would spit it out, but nonetheless, lukewarm's going to get cold and spit out too. Lord knows, I don't like cold coffee, unless it's got ice in it for a purpose. But I'm saying, it's better to be all in and hot, on fire for God, where we say, Lord, am I making my life an altar where you can burn everything that's bad within me so that I can exalt you tomorrow and in today and all of my life. That's where we need to go. That's the steps we need to do. That's the thing the rich man struggled with. That's the questions we need to go deeper in because what God wants us to do, if you'll stand with me this morning, is to start asking questions that will empower God to equip you. Give God the hard stuff, the deep stuff, the doubts, the discouragements. Give God it all, and He will equip you with everything you need for tomorrow and through your life. It might not look pretty. It might not look always glamorous. It might seem suffrage. It might seem hurts are all around the corner. But the promise is not to give you provisions for everything you need on this side of heaven, but on both. Both sides. And that's what we need to do. If you'll just follow along with the song and just, just sing with it this morning. Oh. 
Are you willing to surrender all of you to let him have all of every bit of you so that he would empower you? See, the question I want you to really ultimately ask is, what are you doing to stop God from equipping you for your future? What is it that you're holding back that's a willing or that's, that's preventing God from, from fully equipping you for your future? God doesn't want it half-hearted. He wants it all. So the second you realize what's stopping you, it's time to surrender it all. The second you realize that you want to be all in is when you'll realize the greatest freedom ever came. But it's always going to be your choice. So as we go through this week, I want to encourage you. The altars are open. If you want to come down and pray this morning, I'm going to pray with you. But going through this week, I want you to ask that question, God, what is it that's stopping me that you would be able to equip me for something greater? What is it that's stopping me from worshiping you deeper? What is it that's stopping me from from exalting your name where I need to? What is it that's stopping me from actually living a life that's authentic according to your word that represents Christ within me? What is it that is stopping me from you, God, coming down and giving me the knowledge to get through a season that I need to? When you start asking those questions, you'll see the equipping come through. But it all comes through your choice. Is there anybody that wants to come to the altar to pray this morning? Okay. If you're watching online, I want you to ask the same questions. I know a lot of people are out sick this morning and they're watching the live stream. But what is it that you are doing that is stopping you from having God equip you for your future? Father God, Lord, we thank you for the day, Lord. I thank you for what you've done. Lord, I ask you to touch every single person in this building, Lord, and allow us to walk, Lord, as you open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, to see the things that we struggle with, Lord, and allow us to walk out where we fully say, Lord, I surrender all. All of me, Lord, I want to surrender to you so that you can use me according to your purpose, Lord. God, touch us, Lord, in this place. Touch us and be with us, Lord. Keep us safe as we get ready to leave this place, Lord. Touch those that are watching the live stream, those that are sick, Lord. I ask you to touch their bodies this morning, Lord, and bring a healing touch upon them. But Lord, let us approach you, the Heavenly Father, the Abba Father that I know, that your word says we can have, that that your Son who died on the cross cried out to you, said. And let us hear the answers we need. Guide us, Lord, as we go through this week. Guide us as we read our word this week, Lord. And Lord, send your spirit door down on us as we read your word, Lord, and empower it to come alive in our lives that it's never done before. And be with us in Jesus' name. Church, I love you all. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. You guys may be dismissed. I'm going to pray in the altar for a little bit with some, some people that need to come up.